You okay, Dan? The singing this past Sunday was, yes, yeah, we resonate with that. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? All right, before we move on. All right. During the service, we don't get thumbs ups and thumbs downs, so we're just inviting feedback on that. Well, okay. Acts chapter 9. We are moving through... The book of Acts. And we are going to leave behind chapter 8 for just a little bit. We may make a reference to it as we move forward. But anyway, Acts 9 verses 1. Uh, let's see. Let's, let's read 1 through 19 and then we'll just... We'll just get going, but we'll we'll jump we'll read it and then we'll jump in. Now Saul, now this is the Saul of the New Testament. This is not the Saul of the Old Testament. That's a different Saul back then. This is a different Saul. Now Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. And suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless. Hearing the voice, but seeing no one, Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight. And neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, 
Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here, he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So, Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he regained his sight. And he got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened, the word of the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for this account of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would help us in our understanding of it and our appreciation of the great lengths that you go to to save lost souls. Uh, So be uh, magnified and glorified during this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we begin in the first two verses, we see that Saul is still on this rampage. He is uh, the driving force, apparently, of the persecution of the church. I appreciate Luke's 
uh, wording here now, Saul. So that's real time, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. So we, we, uh, well, look, Luke took us on a and on an excursion here to Samaria with Philip. And we looked at all that was going on in Samaria and how the gospel was going forth and wound up that chapter with this Ethiopian receiving Christ. Uh, But meanwhile, back at the ranch, Saul is still on this path to eradicate the gospel and the church. He is a man on a mission. He was zealous for the Jewish way of life. The people that he would have looked up to through his knowledge of the scriptures would have been Phineas. Uh, You can uh, read about Phineas in Psalm 106. There's another reference uh, that I can't call right now, but look up Phineas. Phineas was way up there in Saul's estimation. And uh, look up Elijah. Elijah was way up there. These people are Old Testament folks, and they were zealous for God. And Saul, in his own understanding, was zealous for God. And he felt like the best thing he could do was eradicate this new, uh, this new thing and these people that were associating themselves with Jesus. And Saul is opposed to the church. He's opposed to the gospel. He's opposed to Jesus. And he is not messing around. In fact, he's not content just to root the Christians out of Jerusalem. He wants them rooted out of Damascus, of all places. I mean, he is, he is fired up. He is not messing around. He is believing that he is doing God's bidding uh, to rid... Uh, that part of the world at that time with the of Christians of the gospel. So there it is. Luke tells us he's still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he is asking for permission, for authority to, and he wants this authority in writing so that he can find these Christians, the people belonging to the way. The early believers were known as the people of the way, the people of the way of salvation, Uh, the people uh, known, these Christian people known for their way of life. And Paul is seeking that authority from the high priest uh, to find these believers, to round them up, 
and to bring them, there it is, bound to Jerusalem. So this is, uh, this is something that has consumed Saul. If you go over here to, uh, if I can find the reference. Um, what did I do to that? There it is, yes. Acts 26 and verse 9 through 13. You have a personal testimony of Paul's uh, state of mind as this unbeliever. He's before Agrippa and he's given a defense. Of course, at this time, Saul is no longer Saul, but he is Paul. But this is some good insight into who he was at that time. The one who's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. So verse 9 there in chapter 26 of the book of Acts. So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme and being Furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. This, this Saul was like a, an, a wild animal just looking for Christians anywhere he could find them. Verse 12, while so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. So I think those few verses, 9 through 12, really, Give us a fuller picture of just who this Saul was. And these are his own words here. He's looking back. He's saying, this is who I was. And he's uh, giving a witness uh, for Jesus in the face of Agrippa. So Saul... If you put it all together, there's two words that I came up with to describe him as a lost man. Highly, well, more than two. Highly religious murderer. That's where he was. That's his own testimony. Highly religious murderer. I mean, he wanted to get rid of these Christians. He is the one that... If you look at verse 1 of chapter 8, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. The him there is Stephen. So, you know, we, we get this, we start getting this picture of Saul uh, with, uh, related to Stephen's death 
his martyrdom. And then the picture just uh, grows as we read on down the next couple verses. And then you get over here in chapter 9. And then you read some of his later testimony from Acts 26. But he's still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he goes to the high priest. He asks for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Just think of the, of the pain that uh, many of those early believers were feeling as a result of Saul's actions. And he is, he is a disruptive force. So we see Saul the sinner. And then we see our sovereign God. Our sovereign God who uh, goes beyond anything we can conceive of in bringing salvation to the hearts of Men, women, boys and girls. In this case, Saul, the religious, the highly religious murderer. The one who is inflicting all kinds of hurt on the early church. And it is as he is going about his business of destruction. Right there in verse 3. As he was traveling. It happened. That he was approaching Damascus. I mean, he's going out of his way to find these believers. And suddenly, without warning, that's suddenly, no warning, just happened all of a sudden. A light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And Saul responds, Who are you, Lord? Now this is, this is sovereign God bringing salvation to a serious sinner. Saul, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So we have a light. We have the effects of that flash of light. Bringing Saul to the ground. And we have a voice that was heard. And the voice is identified as coming from Jesus. And it is interesting that Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Lord, our sovereign God, stopped Saul in his tracks. 
And he goes on to give him instruction, but get up and enter the city and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Had to be a tremendous flash of light to blind him. But after all, if you've been in darkness and you encounter a flash of light, you, you're going to have trouble seeing for a while. And, they, and so they led him by the hand. There he is. This, this, this one who had been large and in charge. This one who had been at the helm of his own vessel. The captain of his own ship. Now he's been brought low, he's been brought to the ground, and now he's being led by the hand because his eyes, though they were open, he could see nothing. And they brought him to Damascus. So this is the Lord at work. Now, our Lord is sovereign in salvation. He wants to save. And what's amazing here is the sinner that he sought to save. I mean, the sinner, Saul, is actually persecuting Jesus. I mean, it's Jesus. It's his church. It's his body. Um, But Jesus says, you're persecuting me. It's like, what you do to my people... You are really doing this to me. And the Lord stopped him in his tracks. And the Bible tells us he's three days without sight. He's not eating. He's not drinking. Can you imagine? You know, many may have written Saul off. I mean, could God save a Saul? I think one point I take from this is just God's amazing grace. And yeah, I know Saul was, as he would say later on, he would say, I'm the chief of sinners. And we know he was, a, he was no ordinary sinner. He's a religious murderer. Uh, and we know that God saved him for no ordinary purpose. He was saved to be not only a child of God, but an apostle of the Lord. Over here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we have some words written by Paul. I think five through Eight. Yeah, that's it. We'll read, we'll start in verse three. I mean, this, this story of Saul's conversion just takes your breath away at the ability of God to save. And what we're reading is a true conversion. And what God did then, he continues to do now. Not as dramatically, perhaps, 
But nevertheless, God Almighty brings true conversion to the hearts. He says, for I delivered, this is verse 3 of chapter 15 in 1 Corinthians. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas then to the twelve. After that, here we go. He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And there it is, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Right there on the road to Damascus. And then the Lord instructs him. So he's three days without sight. He's not eating. He's not drinking. And there's a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said, get up and go to the street called Straight. That's why was he going there? Well, because that's where Saul of Tarsus was. That's where he was. He was praying. And uh, that's, a, that's a good place to be on Straight Street after you've seen the light. Right? You don't want to be on some crooked road. Get off of Broadway and get on Straight Street, that narrow way that leads to life. Now, he's on the street called Straight. He says, inquire at the house of Judas for a man... From Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. It's so interesting how, uh, how God brings the forces of heaven upon Saul. It's like, it's... It's the flash of light. Well, we could even go back further, you know, with Stephen's testimony and the fact that Saul was there when Stephen was, was stoned and died. And, but we see the flash of light. We see God just stopping Saul in his tracks and speaking to Saul. And then we see God using some other people, uh, Ananias is there, and he's going to take his part in, in helping and instructing Saul. Uh, God is, he just, it's just a wonderful way that God brings about salvation. How many factors were involved in your salvation? Was there one person, two people, three people? Were there circumstances involved in your salvation? God arranges all of that. And I want you to rejoice in that when you think about how God saved you. That he's just sovereign God and he loves to save. He loves to just snatch us from the flames of hell, transfer us to the kingdom of light, set us on that narrow way that leads to heaven, and then encourage others as we're on the way. That's what God loves to do. And he loves to use his people to encourage others in that. So 
Um, Ananias answered. I love his answer in verse 13. You know, you can be honest with the Lord. Did you know you can be honest with the Lord? He says, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. I mean, the word's out on Saul. This guy is nobody to be messing with. He, he, uh, he's serious. He says, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And now he's, he's, he's enlarging his circle of influence. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. And Ananias, you can just read between the lines. He's thinking, I'm part of that all. You know, this is a good thing. I want to be used. I don't want to be in, in jail. I don't want to be in prison. I don't want to have my life taken. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So what did Ananias do? Did he argue with God? No. Did he hesitate? Bible says, verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him, so they're right there. They're in the company of one another. He said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized and he took food and was strengthened. And the church was never the same again. And we are beneficiaries of the conversion of this man and his writings and his experiences. And we just need to uh, invest our time in reading uh, those letters and following his travels and appreciate the way God can change the heart. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful conversion story of Saul and how he became Paul. Lord, it, your grace, I, I, if you can save one like Saul, you can save, you can save anyone. Your grace is strong and, and your grace is enough. And so, Lord, encourage us tonight and encourage us to be uh, willing to be used by you to bring the gospel to others. And as we continue to give evidence of, of, of our own conversion, the conversion that you wrought in our hearts. So we give you praise tonight as we leave. In Jesus' name, amen.